All right. Well, good morning. We're going to get started here right away. You know, one of the things about the kingdom of God is there's always somebody that makes a way for somebody else. And as you grow in faith and in a functional sense of what it means to worship God, enter his presence, you realize that you actually are purposely doing that. And what happens is people who are less initiated, less mature, less familiar with the things of the kingdom of God, they get the benefit of your leaning into the Spirit of God. And so this morning, let's make a way for those who come after. Let's open up that realm. Let's enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise, because as we actually begin to make that journey into His presence, into the manifestation of His glory, something in the atmosphere begins to change. And then when people come in after us because of the presence of God that will be captivating, so it only takes a few of us to really sort of track that, create that line. And so let's do that this morning. So, Father, we want to say, in you is life. In you is the light of life. Lord, in you is the light that you gave to every man and we say, Lord, we love the light of your presence. Lord, we love, we love your life. We say we need you more than the air we breathe. We need you, Lord. We need you. We love you. We say, Lord, you are the strand of life. You are the center. You deserve the glory the honor and the praise. We bless your name today, Lord. I'm getting this picture of Israel. Every time that they were going to meet with the Lord, they had to enter into the, uh, the temple. And one of the first things, the initial things they, they met at the temple was the, the brazen altar. And it was the place where the sacrifice was made. And sometimes when we're entering to God's presence, we come to this place where we're having to deal with flesh. We're having to deal with our iniquity. We're having to deal with our sin. And the place of that exchange, sometimes we can't make that turn because we feel so guilty or we feel so sinful or we're tied down in some way. But that place of where the, where the, the ox is sacrificed and the, the lamb is sacrificed, that's where you make the divine exchange. That's where you're entering God's presence. And it's not about me because, because blood was shed on behalf of my iniquity. Blood was shed on behalf of my sin and my lack. And so when I actually can appropriate that sacrifice, then I enter in. If I can, I stand back continuing to feel guilty, hoping that I'll feel better, hoping that somehow I'll get a pass. But you don't, and you're stuck in that outer court. And God is saying, listen, my love made the sacrifice. I sacrificed my son so that you could go past the brazen altar. So he says, go past, appropriate that love right now, because you are not good enough. You do not have in yourself what it takes to enter. But righteousness is acquired by faith. Believe, believe, believe in the power of my sacrifice. And just enter, 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 enter. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And I know that love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Lord Jesus, today we're asking that out of the glorious of your riches in heaven, God, would you pour out love on this place, God? We ask you, God, that we might understand, God, the length, God, the width, God, the height of your love, Lord Jesus. Would you pour out on this place, God, 
Open up heaven over this place, God, we ask Jesus. As an intercessory church, God, we ask you for the churches around us today, God. We ask you for the floodgates of heaven, God. We ask you, God, pour out your love, God. Like a tsunami, God, hit this city, God, that we might understand how wide, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, that we could understand our place. That we could understand the things you've done for us, God. Pour out your love, Jesus. Pour out love, God. Not just a little bit, God, but a tsunami over this place, God, we're asking. Father, we want to declare today that you are everything that we need. All things necessary for life. All things that are necessary for godliness are provided in, in you. And we turn our eyes today and we confess with our mouths that you are all we need. In you is our sufficiency. So we say today, Spirit of God, we desire to taste and see that you are good and experience the fullness of what you have provided. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought, you know, uh, I'll cut the, the worship a little bit short again uh, because I, I really feel like there's something the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us today. In fact, actually, where's... Uh, Jackie, Jackie, come come and share that 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 story you just uh, whispered in my ear, and just the uh, the releasing of those things you're holding on to that picture. I I was standing at the side and I saw the Lord walking by and He was surrounded with the people that He was loving, people that were loving Him. And the light and the life and the love that he shone with. And I was standing on the wayside and I was holding some things. And I knew these things were keeping me from joining him as he was walking by. And I felt like he was moving on, that he was walking by. And I, and I thought, the, the, I just threw these things down because the attraction of him, I just, I just pray that the attraction of him far outweighs the attraction of the world and all that it has to offer the things that we are struggling with that we're holding on to that the, even if they're shiny little trinkets that were in my hand I threw them down because the the light and the life of the movement of him going by just just gripped me and, and pulled me in and, and I didn't want to miss I didn't want to miss him I, if he was moving on I didn't want to miss him so I just thank you Lord Amen Amen so, Father we want to uh Allow you, Holy Spirit, to, to put your finger on those things in our lives that keep us from focusing on what's really important. And uh, Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to experience what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, during worship, there was a number of things that were coming out, and um, one of them uh, we have this game that our kids played. You, you probably, most, most families in this generation that raised us may have had this. It's this box. It's red and blue all around, and you got these shapes, these yellow plastic things. There's oval, there's a star, there's a square, there's a rectangle. And we used to have competitions, you know, uh, timing each other. You know, the adults always won, but, uh, you know, Wendy and I would do this, like we'd play with the kids, then we, you know, we want to do something fun for us, so we say, okay, we'll time, see who can get them all in the fastest, and uh, the interesting thing about that is, of course, when you try to put a, the square in the round hole, you know, it catches, right, and so uh, obviously in this, in this sense, you, the four corners, right, are, are catching, and, and so they can't go in. And that picture I was seeing this morning as representing something that God is doing in our lives because he has given you access to his presence 
And that's by grace. That's not because you're so great. Okay, let me be clear. We're not that great. We might have some things going for us, but in terms of that qualifying capacity to enter in, the right to enter in, we in and of ourselves have no right at all. There's nothing in me that could be, uh, that could, could, could be measured great enough to pass the bar. Like the, that bar is so high. The righteousness of God is what's required. And that bar is so high, you could never be good enough. Okay. And so God lets you in and, and you access his presence. And what happens is over a period of time, as you start to grow as a Christian, you're experiencing God's presence, then God starts to say, okay, there are these corners in your life, these things in your soul that I want to start to deal with. And so, whereas up till now, because you're young and I'm trying to build faith in you and get you to understand what this is about, I'm, I'm letting you in, I'm letting you in. But the day is going to come where I'm going to say, okay, one of those four corners that I want to deal with over the next 50 years of your life is going to start to catch. It, it wasn't before because my grace is sufficient. Now it's going to start to catch because I want to bring attention to this in your life. And I want to begin to deal with that thing that's there because it's part of what weighs you down on a continuous basis. It's part of what keeps you from accessing that higher place and living in a, a level continuously of the Spirit of God. And so, so all of a sudden, you're in church and you can't, you can't get in. And what's the deal here, you know? So you, st- you try all the stuff. Right. You know, you, 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 well, let's sing that song, that one, you know, that song that I, where I had my greatest experience. Let's sing that song because I always can enter in when we sing that song or if I, I just need to do this or do this. And you go through all those things and that can take a long time and none of it works because God is trying to do something. Is it about disqualifying you? No, not, not at all. It's about transforming you, about transforming. Are we, are we there? God is in the middle of transforming you. And that's why, you know, you can be uh, doing really good in your relationship with God and things, uh, and with your church, with the people in your life, and all of a sudden, uh, this thing happens. Don't get discouraged. Don't, don't think it's because God's like, okay, you're done. You've committed the unpardonable sin. And, you know, how many of you ever did that? Like, was a young Christian, all of a sudden, you couldn't enter in like before, and like, I, I must have committed the unpardonable sin. Uh, the, the extremely zealous in our midst, right? You know, the, you prophetic, you've all felt that. And you had to, I remember going through, I think, I may have done that. I don't know what that is, but, you know, I may have done it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so there's this work that God is doing, and I felt like, like uh, he's, he's brought us into a new chapter as a church, but at the same time, he is shaping us, but he's trying to bring us into this place of dependency upon him, utter, complete dependency on God. So I was kind of delighted with some of the things that the Lord was bringing up this morning. I usually am. But uh, I like the scripture that um, Rebecca, Ephesians 3, 6, let me, 16. Let me just go back to this because I want to reference this in the context of what I want to talk about this morning. What I want to talk about is this, is that God, God can do what he needs to do. That there are, there are more resources available than you can possibly imagine. There are more resources uh, to change you, to make you who you need to be, to transform you. I mean, here's the level of power that we're talking about. In the twinkling of an eye, your body is going to be changed, and you're going to get a body like his body. This is the second coming. You know, when, when, it, when Jesus comes back and we see him in the, you know, through the clouds, if we happen to be here then, I don't know. I'm not talking about eschatology today. But if we see him, one simple glimpse, one momentary, one fraction of a second, a twinkling of an eye, the power resident within Almighty God is such that a flash, you're different. And see, what we're trying to do, 
and, and let me, let me I'll, I'll foreshadow what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we get caught up in the minutia of transformation. Sometimes we, God is bringing attention to something he's wanting to deal with, and we become so focused in trying to overcome that in the natural, we lose sight of the fact that, that he's not trying to tell you, fix that. He's saying, listen, uh, there's a shift, a quantum leap that needs to happen where all, all, I'm just going to, boom, change that. And this is what we're believing for. But ha- what happens, as soon as we begin to feel like God is pointing out something in our lives, what happens? They, uh, I'm so terrible, you're right. No, that's not the point. You, you should have already have resolved that. You are so terrible. That should be resolved. We're, we are leaving the realm of good and evil. Okay, we've left that realm. We're we're now going into the realm of life and death, and I'm offering you more life, and I'm just trying to show you you're drinking death right here. That's why this is surfacing in your life. And what I want is you to shift. What I, I don't want you to feel bad about it. I won't, don't want you to, you know, grovel and, you know, beg and, and you know, and, you know, hope that somehow this is going to, ch- you know, go away through through feeling, you know, if I feel bad enough, I'm going to cross this threshold. Now, the thing is, there's a partial truth to that in repentance. But it's not about you feeling bad. It's actually discovering the uselessness of you feeling bad. That there's no power in you feeling bad. There's no power in guilt. There's no power in shame. There's no, there's no power in you uh, trying to resolve it, trying to fix it. And what is it going to take for us to deplete your confidence that somehow you can fix this through either feeling bad or, you know, five steps to being a better Christian? How many of you have tried five steps to being a better Christian? Yeah, 25 steps, yes. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If, if you actually succeed in any way, you become twice the child of hell you were before. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. He said, listen, I'm against your efforts and your successful efforts, especially to be better. Because I want you to shift. I want transformation. That's what the kingdom is. When you are born again, you are born. Boom. Can a nation be born in a day? Transformation is you were something and then boom, you're something else. When you're born again, your, your identity has changed, transferred over. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but uh, it's just so great. Let me back up. I'm going to come back to Ephesians 3.16, but just as a reference point, I'll read it to you. 1 Samuel 10.6. Now, this is the Old Testament. Lesser covenant, okay? Lesser promises. Lesser power, right? But pretty good. Pretty good. And this is what happened in the life of Saul. Samuel's prophesying over him, and he says in verse 5, After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen that when you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instruments, tambourines, a flute, a harp with them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Wow. I want you to think about the environment there for a second of what happened here. There are prophets. They're coming from where? A low place? A high place. Okay, it's a spiritual metaphor for being in the spirit. They are, they, these are people, listen, if you, this is part of the thing. If you get around people that are always coming from high places, things are going to happen to your life. The spirit that they are generating and walking in will begin to affect you. So it's not by accident that this transformation of Samuel happened in the context of other people who are walking in the spirit. So let me put a plug in for that. You can't be a lone Christian. You can't be a Christian sitting at home watching TV. All right? You have to be in the company of people who can pull you up because these people are coming from a higher place. And when we worship God together, there's something about people's higher faith that pulls us up. 
So my sister-in-law was just telling me yesterday about how the first time that, that she was in a church in North Bay, Ontario, and you know, she had gone there, and people are lifting their hands and all kinds of you know, things she wasn't familiar with, and it was like, it's like, oh, what's going on here? Now, of course, that's very tame compared to what she's around now. But she said, then all of a sudden, one day, she's standing there, and her hand goes up, whoop, and she's like, oh, I'm doing it now, right? Just that, that drawn in, this infectious atmosphere that causes this shift in you, right? All of a sudden, you know, whatever, whatever I had against it or whatever impedance there was to doing that thing, it was gone, and now I'm, I'm doing that. Now, it's not the only stage, in the transformation. And that's essentially what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 3, saying, listen, there's, there's a whole lot of things that God is bringing you into. That, you know, the idea that once you're born again, you know, it's semantic. Once you're born again, you have it all. Not according to this. You don't have it all. Well, you can't have part of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. The enemy loves to play with words. Go look in the Bible, Right? And you got things like this. He said, listen, you Christians in Ephesus, I'm praying for you in a continuous fashion. He's praying for unbelievers or Christians? Christians, yes. He says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Wasn't that just happening automatically? Isn't that just happening as a course of, well, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. I'm in Christ. Well, if it was just happening, you know, as an automatic outcome of, you know, that prayer you prayed four years ago, three months ago, whatever it is, then he wouldn't be praying for it. Paul's not about to waste his time. So for this reason, like I'm over here preaching in this other church in Corinth or Thessalonica or something like that, and I'm thinking about you guys back in Ephesus because I'm praying that this will happen in your life. So what is it he's praying for? That God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Right there. That God would grant you according to the riches of glory. Not according to your abilities, not according to your efforts, not according to what you think is possible morally, given your disposition, your ADD, your, your bad genetics, your, the iniquity of your family. Not according to anything, according to the riches of his glory. I am praying that you will, you will come into something equal to who he is, not impeded by everything that you are. The riches of, according to the riches of his glory. Like, what, let's take the lid off this thing in terms of what's possible. See, sometimes what happens is, is we're moving along in this thing, and we, we reach a level of change. I, I remember as a young Christian, I watched young Christians come in, and, and part of the initial desire is you love God, but really I just want to be good enough to be able to fit in and not stand out. And then you get there to that place where, and that's where most people stop, you know, where middle of the road, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, pretty much, I'm fitting in now. I can raise my hands, and I can pray in tongues, let me see, I can check, check, check. I'm mostly loving, except don't, you know, don't talk to me before breakfast or my coffee or don't talk to me at this time of my life, don't do this, you know, mostly, we, we get part way there. We get there enough to think, okay. I'm not totally wicked. That's so far below, so far below what God intends. He said, I, I can change you into another man, into another woman, by the riches that are available in me. In me. See, this is the thing that got me saved. Now, I actually got saved when I was 13 or so and baptized in the Holy Spirit, when, but I, I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't... I just felt so guilty all the time and, and so much shame. I just, I just, I can't do that. I'm having a hard time being regular good and Christian good is just so high above me. I can't do it. And so I, I was in the world and I'm, I'm, I'm in, in this bar this one night and the glory of the Lord flashes through my body. I mean, I felt the power from my head to my toe. Every cell, every part of my being felt that. And the, the only... The only thing I could do is like, okay, I'm, I'm going to serve you. But I remember the next morning when I said to my mom, I'm going to go to Bible school. She said, well, you, you have to change. 
And she didn't say that because she was religious. She just didn't understand the process that God was, was doing in my life. But I thought, at that point, change is not the issue. Because I had tasted something that night before that I could not explain to her. Something of the riches of the glory of God. That the power to be good, the power to have my nature changed, all of my defaults reset, was in him. It was in him. It was available in his spirit, by his spirit. That I, I didn't have to live my life just grinding for one more centimeter, one more inch of goodness. You know, like, uh, I could be evil right now. I want to be evil. No, I'm good. <sighs> what an ugly life. Striving against the iniquity of, you know, years of generations of sin in my family. And I'm trying to, I said, listen, listen, I'm praying that a spirit of revelation will come on you. I'm praying that your minds will be open. I'm praying that you could just see, get a glimpse of what's available. The power of God to change you into another man, into another woman, like that. Like that. I'm working towards the central issue here. I felt like I was starting to tell the story and I forgot lost it halfway through. No, I, maybe I did finish it. Anyway, it was about, it was about the, uh, the experience I had. I didn't understand it. And even, even though I had that experience of this amazing power, seeing this, I still fell into the rut of trying to be good. It, it took me about six months at Christ for the Nations, Dallas, Texas, getting around all the other people who were trying to be good. He says, this is what I'm praying. You believers, you people who are born again, who have the spirit of God, who've been redeemed, who speak in tongues, you, you have God in you, right? But I'm praying that you will get revelation. If you, if you could just see what it is you've got. And here's the, here's the thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's very significant. He says that you'd be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And here's the next part. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wasn't that already happened? He's uh, talking about fullness. Fullness. Ben, stand up for a second. This is a full-grown man. Yeah, he's got facial hair. And all kinds of other things about him, you know, he's starting to fill out. He's, uh, you know, he's over the 20s. Full-grown man. Okay. Now, there are other uh, people in the midst. I see some young ones at the back. They're partially. All right. You got to see a whole bunch of uh, young people there. We've got a, 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 a bunch of Martinos. Wave at me, Martinos. Okay. Who's the smallest? Is Jericho there? Jackson? Jericho, stand up on the chair for a second, Jericho. Okay, there's Jericho. Now, he has just as much DNA as him, okay, but he's not full grown. He is. Thanks, Jericho. You can sit down. And so, so what, what, what he's saying, what Paul is saying is, listen, to become full grown is not automatic. It's not automatic. In the natural... It's somewhat automatic, you know, as long as you keep breathing and eating in, you know, a reasonable amount of activity, you're going to keep growing. But Paul is saying, in the kingdom of God, you, you grow by an increasing revelation of him. That, that the knowledge of God, the, you knowing him increasingly, one, one level at a time, is the fuel that sparks growth into maturity. So he says, I'm praying that you have a 2 Corinthians 3.18 experience that you see the glory and are changed. See, so 2 Corinthians 3.18 is that, that we, as we behold him, we are changed into the same image. So how do you, how do you change? How do you get more, become more loving? How do you get more loving? How do you become more, right, Rebecca? Alex, Alex has been praying for years. 
Sheesh. How, how can I change? By seeing him. Now, here's the question. How do I see him more? What, what is the criteria? I, I, I'm coming to church every week. I'm coming Wednesday nights. I'm, I'm coming once a month. Right? But what is it, what's the criteria whereby I'm going to be changed? Okay? Is it only frequency? No. Is frequency important? Yes. Because like Saul, you know, when that company of prophets came by, an opportunity arose for him to experience something that he wouldn't have otherwise experienced. These are the conditions for transformation. It takes that. But that's not the only thing. The, and the next thing, because you got people who are in church continuously and never change. Why? Why? It depends what you're reaching into. See, in your heart, the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart, your desire, your passion, your hunger to be transformed, right? It, it either reaches into the spirit or it reaches into your present capacity. So the question becomes not, can you be changed, is do you have enough confidence in the Spirit of God to even lean that way? And whether you believe it or not, this is the reality. This is the exchange that's happening. When I'm not being changed, it's A, I am satisfied that I've changed enough. I, you know, I'm not sure... I can expect to be any better than this. I mean, I, I've, I've changed a lot, you know. So what happens is the more you are changed, the less you feel you need to change. And so what God's wanting to do is, he's wants you, he, as you're entering his presence, he's wanting some of those corners to start to catch. But here's the thing. Some of us are good enough at church. Some of us are good enough with, you know, there's enough life, enough access of God that we can get by without changing more. So how do you, how do you, how do you change that? Well, it's the age-old question. I think that ties into something in the larger purposes of God that's happening globally, and I don't want to get into that today, but he is bringing a generation to the place where a generation of people will drink fully. But the picture I'm seeing for us is this, is that you have a capacity to reach into the power of God to be changed, or you have the capacity to reach into self-improvement. Our default is self-improvement. Our default is is. I do bad, I feel, feel bad. I do good, I feel great. And the, the evidence that you feel bad and, the, and or the fact that you feel bad and then you feel great when you succeed, feel bad when I'm doing terrible, feel great when I'm doing great, is the evidence that you're actually working in this world of good and evil. It's not my fault. I'm serious. It is not the fault of the one who says there's a higher level. Okay, the Spirit of God is trying to bring us up, and He's trying to cut off all of the things that weigh us down. He said, listen, there's a life in the Spirit. There is a quality of transformation. There are things that are available. Well, when you tell us there's more and we don't have it, we just feel bad. Well, that's the evidence that you're actually laboring in the flesh. There's no condemnation to those that walk according to the Spirit. There is none. Yeah, that's not something you quote at somebody who's, who's telling you about a higher level. It's a reality of whether you are walking in the flesh or in the spirit. If you're walking in the spirit, you don't feel condemnation. It's just not there. Isn't that great? I, man, I never have to feel guilt. So the question is, what is God doing when he's showing you or isolating something he's needing to change in your heart and you begin to feel bad. He's showing you, listen, you're leaning into yourself. You are trying to fix this. You are your own answer. And that's the problem. Well, but how, how, do, I, how do I make that shift of the heart? See, God's over here saying, listen, if you just turn, boom, change. It's the, the turning that takes so long. 
It's the turning of the hearts. That's why his eyes are looking over the face of the earth for him whose heart is what? Perfect. What's that perfect? It means complete. He said, I, you are the source. In you, I live and move and have my being. He's, he, he, what he's saying is, listen, I will be quick to respond. Quick to respond. This is my promise to you. If you turn your hearts toward me, I will respond. I will respond. But we are in this semi-transformation state, just like the Ephesians that Paul is praying for, where, where eh, I'm, I'm, I'm still believing somehow if I just dig a little deeper, I can do it. How do, you, how do you change that confidence? This is what Paul said. He said, we are the circumcision of God who put no trust in the flesh. What does that mean? He said, I am changed because I am the circumcision of God. God came and boom, changed me because I stopped trying to be better. I didn't leave the responsibility that God was calling me up. I didn't say, well, it doesn't matter what I do anymore. I just stopped believing that I could do that. So I, I, I died in the tension between I am not that and I, and I can't change. And, then, but, and, and I, I know for sure that I can't do it. See, as long as you think you can, you stay in this world. You stay in your present condition. But when that thing dies... When, you, when that, that confidence in the flesh finally breathes its last, change. Your heart, your eyes turn. Your confidence churns. And then the resource that is there, that is abundant, that is, is more than capable of doing everything, 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 comes and does its work. This is the Spirit of God. This is this amazing capacity that's in the love of God that, that can actually do everything, everything we need it to do. It's there. It's available. And, you know, but just because you think, you think about its availability and you sing about its availability doesn't mean you're actually drawing from its availability. The evidence is transformation. Just like when you got born again, you're born again. In the twinkling of an eye. Just like when you, you see him, you're changed in the twinkling of an eye. Your body is changed. Just like 2 Corinthians 3.18, as I behold him, when I see him, when my heart turns to say, you are what I need. So when we're worshiping, the reality is as we're, as we're singing these songs, you are all that I want, you are all that I needed. We are, we are singing the words but only, they're only effective in as much as we believe them. And we believe them only in part. That's why faith has to increase. What is the increase of faith? The increase of faith is more of my confidence being set on him and less on the natural. So on Friday morning we were talking and uh, somebody had a, a vision. Darlene had this vision of this this water and dolphins, and it, it, it didn't make sense to me then, but she explained a little more this morning. And she said, listen, there's this, there, is this, there is this elevation in the spirit. There's this place that God is calling us to. And the thing about, and the dolphins are significant because when dolphins, they find each other and they school together. And it's, she's, she's saying, she's singing in part, but she said, I feel like there's this, there's this place that God wants us to go above the level of our own souls, above the level of our own effort, above what we can do and, and lay hold of the abilities of the Spirit of God to receive them, to place our confidence. And when we find that realm, we find each other. It's a powerful picture, and it, I mean, it ties into so many things. I remember in years past, I... I I, you know, in, in the context of ministry, I wanted to be connected to certain people who were, I felt were in a superior place in the spirit. And I, I wanted to be like them. I wanted to, you know, I want to rub shoulders with them. And here's what happened is I couldn't, for some reason, they couldn't see me. 
I mean, they, 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 I thought, well, they're just, they're just not valid. They don't see who I am. Actually, the problem was they did see who I was, that I was on a different plane. And, it, you know, they weren't mean to me or anything. They just weren't inviting me into what they were doing because it was on a whole other level. I couldn't appreciate that. I just thought, one of these days, I'm going to show you. But then when I changed, when I've... When I shifted, and I've shifted many times, as we all do, into a new level of grace, suddenly there was compatibility with these people just there. Just, we could be one in a way. We were never one before, and, and it wasn't them. It was me. We spent so much time faulting others for not acknowledging us and and God's saying, listen, come up here. Come up here. Come up here. So many triggers that weigh you down. I mean, it talks about the sin that so easily besets you. But it's not just sin. It's the ways of man. The confidence that, you know, I, I can do this. I can be good. And the worst thing is talented, gifted people who can produce a version of that. That's enough to fool everybody but God. Or those that are really walking in the Spirit because they, they can feel that. There's something not Spirit in your goodness. And that's the journey. But, and it may take long, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. So what I'm, I'm praying for is God... How do I fast track losing all the confidence in, in the flesh? Well, there's no simple answer to that. Because who you are right now, what needs to be... How, do, how, does, how does one person start believing easily than another person? What are the factors? Well, I don't know. Even if we dissected your brain, we wouldn't know. But God knows. And God has created a precise journey for you to be shifted. You hear that? God has a precise journey for you. And he's like, I have the stuff you need. I have everything you need. And I feel like we as a church, I mean, I, ever since I was in Montreal week and a half ago, I feel like there are new winds blowing. I feel like there's something released in our nation. I feel there's something available to us individually, corporately as a church. And I'm saying, God, I, I, I want to see this. I mean, not only, you know, in terms of, of my personal life, but in terms of power to change the world around me. And I feel called to that, and that's, that's one of the things. God, well, how can I change the world around me? Where is that resource? How can I tap into that resource that changes the world around me? And last night I was with my, my brother, and he was telling me a story about being in a meeting years ago as a teenager, South Edmonton, a conference center, and it was Morris Sorrell. How many of you ever heard of Morris Sorrell? He's 85 years old right now. But my mother had had tremendous experiences. Her, his meetings were the company of prophets for her, where she was changed into another woman. I mean, key transformative, transformative moments. But he, he was telling me last night that he was just walking down the aisle, and he would just, you know, sort of release the spirit. And he, he, said, he said, whole rows of people were, were falling back under the power of God and crumbling to the ground. It's like, what does it take for me to have that kind of power at work in my life? What do you trust in? What do you trust in? You know, there's so many layers of that. You know, and as a worship team and as leaders here at the church, we are going through that constantly. And part of the thing that God puts his finger on, you know, it's not the technique. 
It's not the emphatic in the name of Jesus. It's not that song. It's not singing that song that way. It's not this sequence of things and events. It is confidence in my spirit. Confidence in my spirit. And some people are a great portal because they actually believe me. But we're all going through this process of God is saying, okay, that there, that's faith in the flesh. You know, when you pray and you add that little thing on the end as though that's going to be the trigger? You know, some, let me explain that. Sometimes people can say emphatically, in the name of Jesus, because when they say that, they feel a pulse of the Spirit that, and the reason the emphasis is there is not because they saw somebody and it seems quite dramatic and I want to do that, but because there was actually a release of the Spirit. And it, it, it drove them to say that thing in another volume with another kind of emphasis. It wasn't a style they learned. Somebody's phone is dinging and it's mine. Does that make sense? How long is it going to take me? And I pray right now, right now, right now, we want to give you all the places where we have confidence that is in the circumcision of flesh, that is in the circumcision of men doing the right thing. Father, we, we give you those areas of our heart right now, and we say, Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us to believe, to trust you, to receive from you. There's just a, a grace in the room right now. So, Father, Holy Spirit, right now, we look to you. We give you all of those issues of our life, all those points of contention. We want to be fully engaged in looking at you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So... The Lord's just giving me um, kind of a practical application for the body and of what that feeling feels like when there's a transition happening. And so I'm going to try and articulate that. And I feel like in the body right now, there's people that actually feel this way. And so I feel like the Lord wants to bring some clarity to what that natural gut sort of feeling is. And so the feeling that I felt for over a year and a half, one could say it felt like depression. One could say it felt like every day I felt in my guts this sobering, oh, and like I'm a happy guy, I'm a joyful guy, but I would literally drive around feeling this. For example, here's a, you know, I get into real estate, God tells me it's not about numbers, it's not, you're not on that plane, and I'm like, cool, it's all you, God, yet I would drive past signs and be like, I don't have any signs, oh, you know, and I'm like, but I know the truth of God but why do I feel this way? And I would feel this sobering, depressing feeling, uh, and it would come on me, and it, I'd be skateboarding, and it would come on me in an instant. And I'd call Jenna and be like, it's here again. And, and the, my initial thought would be, I need to pray against this. This thing keeps coming on me, and I need to... I need to pray against it so that I'm positive, so that I like, so I feel good. And what the Lord, what the Spirit of God started teaching me is you're transitioning. And what's happening is these parts of your life where you actually believe you can do it. And I, I articulated it this way to Jenna. My spirit knows something and it's telling my flesh. And my body is reacting to what my spirit is speaking. Does that make sense? It, and, and so literally, literally my spirit goes, no, you can't do this. And my flesh goes, <sighs> and all the while I feel it physically before my brain even actually understands what's going on. And so what, what I believe the Lord's saying right now to anyone in the body, if there's anybody that's actually experienced that random, sobering, depressing feeling, I want to first declare that's not depression. That is one of the most hopeful, joyful feelings 
that you could be experiencing right now because it is a sign, it is a symptom that God is transitioning you right now as you speak. So rejoice in your suffering, right? It's like, um, uh, I'll try and say this very delicately. It's like I said to Jenna, uh, when women have that time of the month, there's a shredding that takes place. And that feeling, it just doesn't go away. And as guys, we'll never experience that. But I told her, in my spirit and in my guts, I feel how you guys must feel. And it, it doesn't, it lingers. And what's happening is there's a transfer over happening from your confidence in yourself. Your, the, the letdown, it's like you're let down. And the letdown is you realize you actually can't do it. Your hope in yourself is being let down. The coolest thing is when that's finally accepted, it in an instant shifts to my hope is found in him. And there is a joy that comes out of that that has nothing to do with yourself. So um, I want to speak over our body. And I, this is what I saw. Has anybody felt like that in the last year? Okay. If you felt like that, stand up. And I want to speak the truth of what's actually happening. So repeat after me. I declare the truth. Let's say that again. I declare the truth that I am not depressed, but that God is doing a great work in me. And I will not fight that transfer, but I will submit and I will die because there is something good that God's doing. You know, when we are baptized, it says we are buried with him in death and raised again. The symbology is this. We're buried and we are raised to new life. If that was actually real, you know, it represents the journey. If it would all happen right then, we would be very different people. But we are, something is dying and immediately something is resurrected. As soon as you die, as soon as something in you dies, resurrection occurs. God is waiting for death. Sometimes we're like, God, send me life. I need more life. But actually, all of that cry, all that prayer, all of that thing is part of our ascension into death, so to speak. Our, our descent into death so that we can experience resurrection. So, Father, we, we want to say right now, we put this not on anybody else. We don't, we're not going to be resentful of you. God, why don't you? Because it's us. As soon as we die, we will rise. So, Father, expedite the death in our life that we might rise in the power of life. And just reach into this realm. Say, Lord, I want my faith in the power of your spirit perfected. 